For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. All right. Hello, everybody. We've, you have joined VUC 674, December 1st, 2017. And before we go any further, let's be very clear. Our, our guest is Jay Carpenter, and he's going to talk about desert blockchain, and we're going to talk a lot about uh, cyber currencies. But before we go any further, very important, don't continue on this without listening to this disclaimer. We have no intention of advising you on investments. When you start to look into, <laughs> when you, Jay's nodding, when you start to look into Bitcoin and uh, Ethereum and so on, um, you will see that you have to disclaim saying, we are not advising you. And of course, the VUC, folks, you know the VUC. We are not advising you on any kind of investment strategies. Do not go into this on that light. Do what, do your homework, do what you're going to do. If you're going to invest, fine. But we are not here to talk about investments, okay? We'll mention it. We'll have opinions. We'll have comments on how this stuff is going. But this is not, uh, this is absolutely not advice on investing. That said, I am going to show myself. Oh my God, there he is. And I'm going to show Jay Carpenter. Hey, Jay, thank you very much for joining us. Hey, Randy. Pleasure to be here. And uh, Jay's a longtime uh, participant in VUC, and we've been trying to get him to talk about this stuff. We will probably have another session later about more on blockchain. Jay has actually done some things on blockchain already. But today I would really like to talk, for my own needs, by the way, <laughs> about uh, the basics of cybercurrency, what it means, is this just some kind of investment scheme or is it actually, does it serve another purpose? I know some of the answers to the questions we're going to answer, we're going to ask and, uh, Corrado and Andy Smith and Michael have questions as well. But Jay, first of all, let, let us introduce you and talk about what you're doing and what you're doing with the desert blockchain. Cool. Thanks, Randy. So. I think one of your questions <clears throat> usually starts is how did you get into this technology field? And uh, way, way back, I was one of the first purchasers of the PRS-80 uh, Radio Shack personal computer. And I had it in my graduate school dorm room, which was at uh, University of Southern California. And I started tinkering. And basically, uh, that's that's what got me hooked. I haven't uh, I've been learning the code for the last couple of years, but um, primarily I've been in two sectors over my career. First was in the securities industry. And when I came out of graduate school, I became a very successful securities broker for about 10 years. So, you know, when you state the disclaimer, Randy, I'm very familiar with, uh, you know, some of the areas that we have to people know about regarding investments and so forth. And by the way, just so you know, I hold no cryptocurrency at this point. Uh, I have been very much interested in the blockchain space for over three years now, and I'm mostly focused in applications for blockchain. But part and parcel with blockchain is also cryptocurrency, which is like the first killer application of the blockchain. So it's somewhat similar to where email was in the mid 90s, internet as email, but in fact, the internet was much broader. So, but today we're going to talk about cryptocurrencies and just kind of do an intro. And I'd like to ask everybody, you know, what, what questions you have. But the second part of my career was in telecommunications. And I've been very active uh, in the telecommunications industry for, uh, well, over uh, two, two decades. And I've been uh, involved with some of the advising uh, committees to the Federal Communications Commission regarding numbering, telephone numbering. And my real interest in this whole space is to participate in a new realm of naming, addressing, numbering, and identity. So that's kind of a little bit about, about me. Okay. So what me, questions do you have, Randy? 
let me get started, uh, and, and we will get into all these these things, and especially the relation. Uh, it's interesting because you're talking about numbering, uh, numbering space, naming space, whatever. We get that, and pointers and identity, and blockchain is certainly a major aspect of that. But before we do that, I have a little bit of an idea in my mind of my own newbie uh, travels through this. So the first question, it's not a question, actually. It's more like to talk a little bit about uh, how, so there was the blockchain and that's the technology. Hey, I'm going to put on uh, Michael. We, we decided we were going to show some of the uh, market capitalizations and hopefully the price. So right now, and because you may follow this over the hour, okay, Bitcoin is at 10,795, Ethereum 480, 460, whatever. It doesn't really matter. The point is, you can look at these. There are places where you can get the graph histories. Jay, I just wanted to ask, uh, I was looking into the difference between the top currencies. Um, we, the one, the first three that come to my mind would be Bitcoin, Ethereum, and uh, Litecoin, I guess. What else is there, and does it, do, do they matter? And of course, we just had Presscoin on. Uh, we've had Library, LBRY on. Those are operating through tokens. We're going to get into what tokens are, but what are the the currencies we need to even care about, actually? So, great question, Randy. Um, first of all, just to talk about the graph or the uh, charts that Michael put up and put things in a little bit of perspective, the total market cap of the cryptocurrencies is about $321 billion, I believe, at the top. Three, $320,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000
uh, by a fellow who's who was 19 year years old when he wrote that paper. And Ethereum now has a market cap for what, 42 billion or so. Um, and Ethereum is a breakthrough in uh, decentralized and distributed computation that is governed by a cryptocurrency, which is Ether. So Bitcoin, a breakthrough in consensus, Ethereum, a breakthrough in computation. And now what's brewing is what I, what's called Filecoin, which just had their initial coin offering in August, which was a record offering. And that's a breakthrough in storage. But I think it's even more robust than that. So those are my top three that I would recommend people kind of focus on. And uh, let me let me stop there and ask you, you know, what other questions do you have, Randy? A quick, okay, and I'm full of questions, and I know other people have questions. So guys, just uh, uh, interrupt if you or get on IRC or tell me on wire or whatever. But my other question is, so I w I've been doing some research, and I looked at, for example, Ethereum. Um, and what we would like to know is the differences between these different currencies. But before we do, Ethereum apparently was subject to kind of a holdup at one point. So there's Ethereum Classic, and then there's the whatever the new ETH Ethereum is called. And that was a basically a, I'm trying to think of how, not psychological, but an argument between original people and other people who didn't want to modify. Point is, Ethereum, uh, to my understanding, the idea was to bring about change to to invest in certain things. I don't know if you can clarify that, Jay, because uh, I don't know specifics, but I do know, for example, we had Presscoin on last week, and I'm sure you, you know, I contacted you, and we, we, we've been talked about this. Mm -hmm. um, the idea is that some of these platforms, and this would be the question to answer, some of these platforms are trying to actually affect certain changes or affect help projects or found operations. Bitcoin seems to be based basically on just payments and making money on mining and so on. So Ethereum took off from that based on we're going to do such and such a thing. I'm not sure what they were trying to do, but we know what Presscoin is trying to do, which is to uh, help an independent press. We know what library, I know you're familiar with that. You were part of our, uh, you know, about what we did with them. They are trying to uh, do creatives. Um, let's speak a little bit to that, if you can. Um, what changes are these different projects trying to make compared to Bitcoin, which doesn't seem to be doing anything in that area? I hope that made sense. Sure. Bitcoin, you could kind of think of as like digital gold. OK, that's a that's kind of a cliche at this point. I think it's it's much broader than that. But, you know, effectively think of Bitcoin is like a store of value, even though it was originally designed to be sort of a currency for trans transactions. I think it's morphed into basically a store of value with some very, very compelling characteristics. Ethereum, on the other hand, has was designed to be this computational in, innovation. And you can kind of think of Ethereum as like a big Christmas tree that's got all these ornaments on it, like Presscoin where people are taking the initiative and the foundation and the platform of Ethereum, and they're creating all sorts of novel use cases, uh, like uh, autonomous cars, controlling autonomous cars, like these, like the press coin, like, and, and again, I'm not recommending any of these by any means. I'm just sort of describing these different characteristics. But Ethereum was designed to foster these innovations in this decentralized space and to kind of circle. So so does that let me stop there before I get into the DAO, which is what you were talking about for last year. Do you have any questions mm -hmm. about that, Randy? No, no, I think that's good. I think what's important to understand is and I think you did a good job on defining the fact that Bitcoin is this gold standard. This is this thing that people are investing in. And we should also mention, as we've talked about before and as I've read today, that China has a big part in Bitcoin and Bitcoin's ups and downs. Again, Bitcoin, uh, I'm looking at it right now. Bitcoin is up 1,280% from what it was last year. So if you put a hundred bucks into Bitcoin, what is, whatever, one thousand, you'd have a thousand dollars. Wait, whatever, you'd have 10 times, yeah, thousand dollars. Well, 
And I mean, that's that's this just time, one aspect. About, of a, about a year and a half ago, just to give you a perspective, a year and a half ago, Bitcoin was trading in the $200 uh, range. And now it's up to 11, almost 11,000. If it's not 11,000, as we're talking, it's 10,486 right now. So, <laughs> OK, so it's when I when I signed on, it was at 10,800. So it's all over the board. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, so that. So if you put $200 into Bitcoin last year at one point or a year and a half ago, then it would be worth, uh, you know, 11,000. That's that's right. that's an amazing return. And what you're seeing now is that's gotten a lot of people's attention. Uh, including yesterday in the Wall investors. Street Journal. Yeah, including huge investors and in big groups, right? Right. In fact, some of the major exchanges have announced that they're going to start trading futures as well as options on Bitcoin. So you know, it's going to have a full range of financial um, and, and derivatives and who knows what. So so does that uh, kind of answer your question before we get into the Dow? If I yeah, could absolutely. jump in for a second, I have a, a sort of a frame, a different sort of a question. That is, um, it's only worth that much money if you can sell it and get that money out of it. Right. So as an invest, I mean. Are we talking something that is has an economy or is it just an investment vehicle at this point for most people? Or, you know, for example, VoIP Supply uh, about a year ago said you can buy things with Bitcoin on their website. And I'm, I have not encountered that too often. Um, but so what is the reality of this beyond the theory? Is it is it usable or is it just a numbers game right now? Well, that kind of gets into... A, a bit longer conversation, Michael, about you know exactly what is money, exactly what is value. Um, you know, I don't know if you can see this that I'm holding up, but this is um, my cell phone or my smartphone. And consider this is not only a communications device, but it's also a computer. And basically what you're seeing in these cryptocurrencies is a merging of money and this whole construct of communications, networking, uh, value, all sorts of things. So I don't know if that, um, it doesn't directly answer your question, but let's suffice it to say that as long as somebody else is willing to pay ten or $11,000 per Bitcoin, that's what it's worth. The, the question and, and, I guess and, I have is the utility of the thing, right? Is, yeah. Is, okay. So, so the utility is there's, there's two parts to the utility in this whole realm. Uh, number one is some sort of store of value, sort of like gold. And number two, what you're talking about is, is there any way that this thing inter has internal earnings, sort of like a company? Does it so, try to commerce? Uh, yeah, as a, as a form of commerce. And uh, anyway, the, the Bitcoin itself, uh, probably no, other than it, it, from a mining standpoint, if you had the computing power to do mining, then you could create some sort of like consistent earnings uh, that would be fall into the traditional earnings model. Because every 10 minutes, somebody's earning about, I think, $125,000 by mining Bitcoin. And maybe it's a little bit more than that. Whatever, t um, you know, $10,400 is times 12.5. That's what somebody is earning by mining. We didn't get so into mining, by the yeah, way. Exactly, today. exactly. Today. To get into mining. If and you what could, okay. Explain, okay, but, if, for but, the but, test, what mining is, please. Okay. Um, so I, mining, I'm sorry for interfering before, because uh, I was actually very interested in the previous subject, if that's okay. Okay. Yeah, we need to see you, though, Diana. We don't see you. How come? <laughs> uh, I, I apologize. So um, here's the story. Um, any kind of the, the the economy studies the economical exchanges about between people. Whatever currency you want to use, it can be gold, it can be money, it can be bitcoins, it can be anything you want. It just doesn't fucking matter. It's just an easy way to do basically an exchange of goods between different people that are actually producing them, or whatever exchange you want to have for their work, or whatever you think that uh, uh, the thing they're giving you values in whatever currency you want. Bitcoin is as valid as currency as anything else, as the gold or anything else. And that's the basis of what they actually teach you when you go into the economy school. And um, frankly, I don't think the, the bankers or anyone else actually give a fuck if it is Bitcoin or oil or uh, gold or whatever. 
It just doesn't matter. The only, the, the, the only thing that actually changes the, 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 the value of a, of a currency is um, how much you can actually produce of that. Like, for example, in the case of gold, you can actually physically mine it in, in a mine. In the case of Bitcoin, you can, you, you can um, with more and more effort, you can actually mine it uh, uh, digitally. That was the whole point. Now, when it comes down to exchange, you're going to see more and more exchange. It doesn't, because in the end, people don't really care which kind of currency they use to exchange values. That's what it comes down Agreed. to. Agreed. I agree. Uh, and let me let me kind of take your point, Diana, and kind of expand upon it, because it's it circles back to what Michael's question is, if I'm hearing Michael correctly. But so, you know, what is value? And, and part of the challenge of getting your arms around this whole space is it starts to challenge our whole notion about money and value and currency and exchange and so forth. So so to get back to Michael's point and to, to kind of continue to emphasize your point, Diana, this is a Starbucks rewards card, okay? And this is a local theater gift card. And this is a Subway sandwich card. Are these money? Well, I would assert that they are a form of value for sure. And basically, if you took all these little cards and throw in your frequent flyer miles and your you know, credit card uh, rewards points and whatever, and you kind of put it into a basket like this, it starts to look like a cryptocurrency, something that becomes a fungible method of exchange. And is there a central authority that's behind that bucket or basket of value? No. What there is, is that we trust to be around, that Subway is going to be around, that, you know, Southwest Airlines is going to be around. So the notion of currency and value and what's behind it, what's supporting it starts to blend together. And we start to see this notion of money and trust and uh, value becomes simply agreement, uh, a level of trust that that value is going to be there for some period in the future. Does that well, answer? Uh, may I just uh, interfere knowingly sure. and say that when it comes down to golf, for example, it's not just agreement. Our view about currency has dramatically changed in 1970s when uh, when dollar has actually disconnected from from, from gold. And that completely and that changed the, 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 the value of currency from being gold oriented to being trust oriented, basically. And um, uh, all of us here has actually grow up, grow up in a world where the currency doesn't have a value to himself like gold used to have, but a value based on trust. Now, the Starbucks card, uh, it's, yes, a trust based currency as well, but it's a trust-based currency as much as the dollar is a dollar or euros or whatever. It's a trust-based currency. You know, it's interesting, Jay, that you mentioned the Starbucks card because there was a uh, when we lived in Paris, there was a copying center, you know, uh, like a uh, I can't think of the name of that now in Kinko's in uh, like that kind of thing. And um, they you got a better price when they sold cards. And I, for this is the one time in my life I bought one of those cards and they went out of business. It's a little bit different because the Starbucks card is not as, as good an example as what I just said, because the Starbucks card, it's just bonus points. You know, this is a something invented by MBAs. Uh, supermarkets use it. And they basically they're mining your ID stuff, by the way, your address and all of that. Whereas I bought which what could have been Bitcoin, but happened to be uh, copies, you know, the right to copy. And then these people, folks went out of business. Here we have this card that's worthless. Uh, so it wasn't right. a bonus. It was a purchase. And if you buy Bitcoin or if you buy Ethereum or Litecoin or any of the coins and anything happens, there's just no guarantee. And I repeat, don't do this if you can't lose the money. Don't do it as an investment if you can't lose the money because you're very likely to lose it unless you know what you're doing. Um, anyway, let, let me let me step back, uh, sure. Randy, and, and kind of talk about the overall context, because I think we're starting to kind of different dimensions of this thing. And let me put it in the, let me put two things in the context of the BUC, because I would assert that we have already been through a similar phenomenon. Nineties, when all of a sudden this email thing came along 
and this packetized networks came along, you know, prior to the mid nineties, we thought that a, you know, a telephone call was pretty distinct from a radio transmission or a television transmission. They were very distinct items. And then the internet came along and all of a sudden all these things started to kind of morph together and blend together. That's what we're seeing with this phenomenon that we've, uh, you know, poorly labeled as cryptocurrency and blockchain. This is a much larger phenomenon where, you know, uh, technology, business models and policy are all starting to morph together. That's why we're kind of wrestling around with this idea of, you know, uh, what's behind it? Can it be uh, used for earnings? Can it be used for value? And the answer is yes. There's nothing behind it other than our trust and our agreement, the constitution that was laid out in a basically a nine page white paper by Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, and so it's because we believe in two things, basically, which is the peer to peer network that's behind Bitcoin and the cryptography that's behind that secures uh, Bitcoin. So uh, anyway. So that's my little uh, rant. I, I do have another piece, which is we're talking about, you know, exchanges of value. The fact is that in like Africa, broadband has been a form of currency. So people have traded minutes on their uh, cellular uh, services as a form of currency. So this is not entirely foreign to the way humans have acted in the past. OK. Absolutely. I'm reacting to. So the film strip is visible, folks. Uh, you're all we usually don't do that when there's this primary speaker. But because everybody has their piece to say, uh, we're all visible. Um, Corrado, do you or anybody else have any questions? Because I have a million things to say, but I'd rather not well, monopolize. Believe it I or not. I still, as a noob, as a complete newbie of the thing, don't understand what is my. OK. Okay. Would you like me to talk Can about mining for a little value, bit? A piece of value that uh, has a value from nothing, just computational power. Yeah. What, talk, Jay, talk about, because we know about the current scams with mining and, and browser, JavaScript and all that. But in the beginning, there was mining. And we have somebody who used to be a regular on VUC who actually, well, Diane also wants to answer, but uh, you can take turns. So well, let's let Diane. The early uh, part. Uh, yeah. Time. Yeah. All right, Diana. So the early part of mining. Early part of so mining. What's the what's the value of gold, for example? Is the fact that someone actually went down and digged for it, right? Now, if someone actually goes ahead and no, pay if, their if you allow me, if you allow me, Diana, is the rarity, the rarity of gold. How rare so is gold you can to, have, how difficult it is to extract. But uh, that is a physical item that has and, characteristics that uh, are used in many different fields, including electronics, including um, many other applications. What is jewelry? Bitcoin physically so doesn't exist. What I can tell you is this: the value of the, the value of uh, gold, for example, is not the gold himself, but the fact that someone actually went ahead and put the energy to go to extract it from the earth. Okay, whatever that effort is. Uh, it can that, be that, like. No, uh, wait, wait, Diana, that's not true. Gold, and what Corrado just said is that gold has an actual use. It's a substance. It's a value. Plus, you have to you have to either pan yeah, for it in the stream or or mine it in a very but, costly but fashion. But its use as an uh, in industry is incidental to its use as a, a fiat currency. Yeah, that's true. But when you when you actually use it as a currency, you don't actually turn it into into the industry. You just don't. No. Yeah. The thing okay, with the what the thing is outside uh, somewhere around the uh, the end of the 15th century, they actually invented a bank ticket, which is basically uh, before we had money, we had bank tickets that will actually allow you to move money from one bank subsidiary to another. Now. What did the bank uh, uh, ticket actually had as a value? Just the trust in the bank. When you actually use something as a currency, it can be gold or anything else. It's completely different than when you use exactly the same thing as, um, uh, as just an intermediary thing. You, of course, 
when I go to actually pay with the dollars that can theoretically be transformed into gold because we agreed that on 1970s we separated the, the dollars from the gold. Um, I can transform them into some form of a gold and then go and use the gold in the industry. Okay? Dollars or any other currency right now is not actually connected to a physical value. So the, 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 the value that you actually think the gold has is the value of extracting the gold. The same applies to bitcoins. When you have a bitcoin, you have a certain effort to extract. That's the way the bitcoin was built in the first place. You have an effort to do the mining. mining. It's an artificial scarcity. In the case of the gold, you have a natural scarcity. But it's irrelevant if it's natural or artificial. It's still scarcity. And basically, that's what it gives the value. The, it's true. Well, it's, it's, it's true. And it just, if I can just interject a quick thing. It, it's true that if you take a dollar, the dollar not is, re is not really backed by gold anymore since whatever year that was. So no it's, all fictitious. That. it's all fictitious anyway. Uh, and I assume it's true of all the currencies. So we're really talking about labels anyway. It's one of Corrado's favorite subjects. But let's get to something a little more uh, fundamental and also that's uh, related to the technology side of the BUC, which is a big challenge in a computer network when you've got a peer-to-peer -peer distributed computer network is determining consensus on what the truth is. Because you might have something that changes off in one part of the network and it might not reach the other part of the network for some time. So if you're familiar with computer networking, then you might be familiar with something called Paxos, which is, is a method of determining consensus. But it's a method of determining consensus that relies on sort of a, a trusted club, somewhat akin to certificate authorities, where you, you've got this uh, club of trust that you're going to you're going to rely on this group of trusted folk to vote or uh you know attest to authenticity or whatever of the innovation of bitcoin is it replaced this mining competition as a way to sort of elect a leader to determine trust and truth and that opened up a huge adversarial model instead of a trusted club model of networking and determining state. That is huge. And we could probably have a whole hour topic on that. But Corrado, to get back to your point is the mining is an integral part of the fabric of the technology and the data integrity of the Bitcoin uh, ecosystem. And, and yeah, the mining basically, the mining is basically a competition to do a math, okay. to solve a mathematical question. Uh, can I, I want to back up for just a second and hopefully this doesn't interrupt your train of thought, Corrado. Um, we need to actually look at how the process works for a second. I think mining is a part of this. So if exactly. I, because you have an exchange, which is basically a bank that sell, buys and sells, they can do to U.S. dollars or whatever your currency is, and you turn that into, let's just say Bitcoin because it's the easiest and most impressive thing going on right now, but they can do a lot of currencies. Um, so I go to the exchange and I buy, say, $100 of Bitcoin. Um, if I want to send that to somebody, then what happens is you also have a wallet, and we need to talk about that, by the way, too. So you have the exchange where you buy it, then it's there, well, the exchange can sort of be your wallet. It's like a bank with a deposit. As far as what I read today, it's not a good idea to leave it at the exchange, but have a wallet. So you've got your wallet. Uh, the mining happens when you're transmitting it. Am I right? So part of, I mean, part of mining is you transmitting when you make a purchase or you, I sent, Jay, I send you a hundred dollars because you're such a great guest. Send you a hundred bucks of Bitcoin. How uh, is that? 250, please. All right. You're you're terrible, very bad on the negotiation because I was prepared to go up to five. But uh, what happens? Let's talk about that. I you could, for example, send me a request, or I could just decide I'm going to send you from in my wallet or from the exchange, sending you the Bitcoin. What happens actually when we do that? So basically, what happens is, let's say you're sending me a hundred dollars, 
and and let's back up just a little bit and and let me tr- see if I can cast what's going on in something that's a little bit more familiar. Okay, um, think of this more like giving somebody the password to your bank account. Okay, so let's say let's assume Randy that you have an account with I don't know what's over there in France, but let's say it's the Bank of France uh, for lack of a better term. You've got a, a bank account uh, with a bank in France with $100 in it. Now, part and parcel of, with that bank account is an, a bank account number, right? And also, if you want to access that, that $100, you need a password, which is sort of like your private key. So we've got public keys and we've got private keys. The public keys correspond to a bank account number, and the private keys are sort of and this isn't technically accurate, but sort of like a, a, a your password to your bank account. So if you wanted to pay me that $100 it, that's sitting in a bank account, you might simply give me your password. And then I could change that password. And then I have control of that $100 bank account. That's not so going to happen, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm holding out for $500 now, Randy, that you up my negotiating skills. Um, but anyway, so, so that's kind of the easiest way I think to think about what's going on with the, like the cryptocurrencies is you've got this uh, account number, which is a, like a public key. And then you've got this private key, which is like a password. And then isn't uh, this the public you, key right here? I'm going to have it on long enough. Nobody can actually see it, but yeah, that's the correct. public key. That's, that's your public correct. key. Sort of key. Yes. Um, and then. To, so I can well, give, so I could, well, so you give me your public key, Jay, the equivalent of that, and mm-hmm. I can transfer by uh, electronic transfer or bill pay or whatever the banks do nowadays. Uh, there's no danger. If I give you that number, actually, you, you can't drain my bank account, but you have a number that you can pay me, basically. That's the way that works. And I think addresses for your wallet, by the way, are the, that's exactly the same thing, isn't it? It's very similar. Yep. Um, I mean, look at, you know, you could consider like an email account or a, an email address as like a public key when we're exchanging money via PayPal or whatever. True. Um, it's, an, it's an identifier. So let's get back to your mining question. What happens there? Well, part of mining, in addition to ensuring the data integrity and creating this adversarial competition, assuring that Jay, you know, that... uh that Randy's not giving out the the same password to somebody else with the promise of turning over the hundred dollar account to them, which is called a double spend. So that are doing these uh, you know extensive calculations as fast as possible are partly ensuring the integrity of the system that there isn't a double spend going on, and for doing all those calculations which are consuming enormous amounts of electricity. And, and ensuring the integrity of the system, they are rewarded this mining reward of right now 12.5 uh, Bitcoin every 10 minutes. Plus, there's also some transaction fees. The, the mining reward of 12.5 Bitcoin, if you can solve that puzzle within 10 minutes, be the first to solve the pr- puzzle and therefore determine the block and, and assure that people aren't double spending, um, you know, that 12.5 Bitcoin not only rewards the miners, but it also starts to build the currency. So currently there's about 16 million Bitcoins out, out there and it's on a, a fixed scale. Um, but that also is uh, sort of propagating Bitcoin as, a, as a, an item out there. Does that make um, sense, Corrado? Does that start to yes. make sense? Yes. Uh, I watched a few videos, very quick videos today, uh, just to prepare for the, for the show. Something I usually don't do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I've read and I've listened that, uh, there's been, uh, um, a fork of Bitcoin from classic Bitcoin to Bitcoin cash. And Bitcoin mm-hmm. cash is easier to mine and more stable. Uh, so basically mining is nothing else than, uh, exercising control on the blockchain. Well, it's not really exercise. Let's hope it's not. Let's hope it's not exercising control on the blockchain. Let's hope that it's ensuring the data integrity 
Okay. And the 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 use of the whole ecosystem. Yeah. Let's put okay. it that way. Does that make so, sense? Yeah. Uh, so there is a difference between uh, the original Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, or are they one and the same mother of the same uh, brother of the same mother? What is it? Oh, well, they they there was a fork, and again, I'm not an expert on you know the forks and each one of these cryptocurrencies actually becomes like a study in itself. Um, so that you, you know you could spend your full time on just studying the the ins and outs of Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of the others. Um, but yes, there are two versions now of Bitcoin, at least two versions, and there's at least two versions of Ethereum as well. And there's a, the prospect that there will be additional versions that uh, versions that um, versions that come along. Um, so, um, so anyway, there's and they each have different characteristics. You might think Colorado as sort of like a uh, nation. So when the South wanted to, what's the term, secede from the Union, that could have been considered like a fork of the United States. And you know, you would have this, uh, you would have two countries instead of one. But they both emanated from the same. Does that make sense? I think there might be a whole bunch of forks too. I was just listening to a thing about Zcash, and they forked from Bitcoin. Are you familiar with that? So th they're probably not the only ones. What they and then they select certain updates. We have rule with us, by the way. Rule, if you want. I don't know if you're ready to get in on the fray or not. Uh, yeah, uh, Michael asked if Jay, you were losing some packets and. I lost you, but I didn't say anything because I wasn't sure if everybody else did, but apparently he did too. So, yes, Corrado, everybody's chiming in. Um, these things happen. It's the Bitcoin changing price, and uh, people are losing their <laughs> their uh, packets of money, and in this case, data. Anyway, Rule, um, comments, because you're with us while you're here. You have to unmute. Uh, I don't have anything at the moment, really. Okay. Just been well, don't hesitate to jump in. I'm happy to have you. All right. Rule's a long time. Uh, haven't seen him in a while, but he's been around for a few years. Uh, mining. Okay. So mining also has to do with CPU. And again, very recently, there's been a big kind of a scandalous thing coming out. The last thing I saw today, Jay, I don't know if you even saw this because I think it just came out today, was that they can now, somebody has found a way to have the mining thing going on your on your computer, even after you close the browser window, I guess they open another window that you can't see. Or, you know, it's not literally they couldn't do that. So you're you're using people are using your computer basically to. And I mean, when I go to lunch, my computer's on. I'm sure I'm not the only person on the planet who does that. Right. So your computer's on. And if this was going on, somebody would be using your CPU and your bandwidth. Uh, to make money. So that's an interesting mining. It's not a wonderful thing to brag about, but it's an interesting facet of mining that is reality. Well, I think, Randy, what it brings up is the game theory and the incentives that are baked into this whole thing is there is incentive for people to commandeer computer resources for financial gain via the mining operations, be it, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, whatever. So there's a whole game theory involved in this thing where not only game theory to commandeer computer resources, but also in cybersecurity, because now we've seen cybersecurity ransoms uh, being, you know, proliferated and rewarded via cryptocurrency. So there's a whole cybersecurity uh, dimension to this whole thing that's happening. There's another aspect I want to mention briefly, by the way, which was that I was on a Slack. I think it was the for um, for library, LBRY.io. Um, and there suddenly was a flood of messages from all kinds of people with links to click. And apparently, uh, you must know about this, Jay, that for Ethereum, there's a very simple way, the phishing, where you just send a link to somebody. And if they click on it, you have all their wallet. You have their wallet. You have everything they have. So... For people, I mean, if you if you did that for me, you'd have like twenty three dollars. But some people may have thousands of dollars, and apparently this is something you want to be aware of. And again, uh, we're not suggesting you invest, but if you do invest, you better pay attention to what you're doing because that's one thing. I don't know about 
I think this is specific to Ethereum, and I don't know why, but it's something you want to be very, very aware of. Um, there's well, a within the last my, my Ethereum wa my Ether wallet, sorry, is pretty pretty well known. And when you go to that site, they will say immediately there's a whole long thing you should go through that tell explains this uh, in the simplest terms. Go ahead, Jay. So yes, there there's numerous ways to lose cryptocurrency, and this is actually one of the areas that I think is ripe for uh, innovation is to add sort of a human friendly uh, piece to this whole thing. Cause there is no customer service number you can call up. If you lose your Bitcoin, you're done basically, unless you've got like a multi-signature uh, arrangement set up. But just within, I think the last 30 days, maybe 60 days, you know, there was like a, a, a $300 million mistake in, um, in the Ethereum network where somebody just inadvertently coded something wrong and poof, dollars just vanished. And they were talking about doing a fork to rectify that, but without you know doing a, a, a fork of the Ethereum, that that apparently is just gone. So anyway, um, so does that answer your question a, about? Yeah, totally. There was a big hack of, a, uh, I read about, but don't know the details. There was apparently this big hack of Ethereum. This must have gone back a, couple, a year or two uh, that caused the the um, fork from uh, Ether Classic to Ethereum, whatever it is now. Right. Um, but let's talk about something oh, that's a little sure. more germane to the uh, VUC, which is, Many, or excuse me, maybe not many, but some of these, let's say, private key breaches are happening via a, um, let's say, unauthorized porting of telephone numbers. So the ecosystem, some of the folks in the ecosystem have figured out to successfully port a cell phone number. And when they do that, they can basically change passwords to email accounts. They can get all kinds of access to, you know, uh, the, the cryptocurrency exchanges and so forth. And very, very knowledgeable people in this space have lost um, significant amounts of crypt cryptocurrency via the porting of a telephone number without their knowledge. Let's go look, much lower tech. Somebody steals or you lose your, your phone. If you've got a Bitcoin wallet on it, uh, that's it. You're sunk, basically, because they can they well, can pay anybody yeah. uh, unless you've taken you know major precautions. Uh, a lot of the wallets, I mean, they will yeah. tell you as a disclaimer, you better protect your thing and do a backup and blah blah blah. But the fact is, you bring up the unless there's some now the one I have. Um, come to think of it, I don't think there's even a pat. You just start it and it'll do whatever you want. There is no password on it. There's a password, ironically, on the backup for some reason, but no password on the, if I wanted to trade, if I pick up my phone. So somebody picks up my phone in the bar, they bring up the um, Bitcoin app mm -hmm. and flash it up there quickly so you, nobody. <laughs> uh, and the, uh, you know, the $5 or whatever it is that I've got in there, as far as I can see, if I want to send coins, I hit send coins. I don't hear it. There's no password or anything. I just put an address in. So if I had thousands of dollars and you got my phone, that's the end. Hopefully there's Could better be. apps than that, actually. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> even so, I mean, you know. That isn't true of everything that is making up with money and not, not protected properly. But it's your duty to protect yourself. It's. It's certainly, yeah, true. it's certainly true of anything to do with your phone. To tell you the truth, the yeah. phone is the, the most horrible invention as far as security is the physical, you know, because few people are going to break into your home and get your computer. So, you know, I, for example, don't log in with a password. I'm sure a lot of you don't either at home. You know, it's, it's unlikely that people are going to be in your home. How many of you have one of these <laughs> with uh, contactless? that you can spend up to 30 pounds with just waving that in front of the right. cash. Exactly. Good point. Good point. Uh, anyway, the phone is the most dangerous thing that we have in this in our civilization today, really. If you keep valuable the, stuff. Go ahead. The good news is that cryptocurrency is very easy to transfer. The bad news is that cryptocurrency is very easy to transfer. And by the way, in the realm of the VUC, in this community, 
I think that's one of the areas that's ripest for innovation is how do you put in safeguards, human friendly safeguards that, you know, leverage and optimize the convenience of this thing and the, the fluid nature of it? How do you put that in that also can optimize some, some safeguards and some human uh, uh, frailties that we all face, basically? Um, one thing uh, you can do with Bitcoin, actually, um, it, it kind of takes the it's kind of a hassle. But you can actually convert it to what they call cold storage, where you take I'm not I'm not very familiar with it. I've never done it myself, but you can actually transfer it to paper as a QR code or as the key, the numbers um, and store it on paper and store it in a safe. And once you do that, it's it's kind of like it's removed from the blockchain, unspendable without those codes being put back in to the system. So that is kind of a great point. And that's Useful. that's absolutely right. Thing that's that possible to safeguard, you know, Bitcoin if you have a large amount or something in it, you don't need it to be liquid at the time. And some people are innovating with uh, hardware uh, token containers or you know private key containers, um, like you know the uh, well, I don't have any, but you you can imagine something like a YubiKey being your mm-hmm. your container for your private keys. So. Well, for this uh, session, we should probably wind it up, but I think we have uh, material for two or three more. We we have covered the basics. I'm pleased that we were able to go through some of the basics. The one thing that we didn't talk about, and maybe just a couple of very quick comments, are the impression that the public has about, particularly about Bitcoin and the dark web and uh, hiring uh, hitmen and stuff like that. This has got to be like 0.001%, I'm guessing, of what's going on. But it is a reality, um, and the other reality is that somebody, if not multiple people, have ta- you know tried to hire hitmen and use Bitcoin and found they were talking to the FBI and so on. Uh, but there is illicit activity. I think that Bitcoin and other the whole cyber currency thing, I I believe, has kind of a bad name and a misunderstanding on that level. Does anybody agree or disagree with me on that? I think there's a false impression there, don't you, Jay? I, I well, think I think. To- to go away a little bit um, as more people get familiar with Bitcoin. Um, right. It's the still initial. there, but, you know, if you really think about it, there's a lot more bad stuff going on than Bitcoin probably, you know, so. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that'll just kind of. Yeah, I would agree. Time. I think anytime you face an innovation this profound, there's all sorts of resistance and there's all sorts of demons that are unleashed. I mean, we saw it with the Internet. We saw it with uh, VCRs, basically, where, you know, there there were some use cases that, uh, you know, people frowned upon, let's say. Um, so I, I think we're seeing that in some of this dark web stuff and the ransomware around cybersecurity. All of these are places for innovation to take place and for some of these um, issues to be smoothed out. But what we are seeing, especially with this phenomenal rise in the price of these cryptocurrencies, is it's gained the atten- it's gaining the attention of the mainstream. You know, yesterday Bitcoin was front and center on the Wall Street Journal, and it was talking about uh, somebody in Las Vegas introduced their grandmother to Bitcoin, which she initially thought was called Bitcoin, and uh, she didn't uh, quite understand it, but once she bought some, see the price, and she had skin in the game, all of a sudden she learned pretty fast in terms of what this is, how it can be used, and so forth. So that's kind of my closing advice to everybody. And, and again, this is not a recommendation or anything, but it's just like anything else. You're going to learn it if it means something to you and if you've got some skin in the game. So I, I highly, highly recommend you start out small if you. And, you know, put your toe in the water on this thing. But I think it is worth your time to start to look at it. And and the we're just in the very beginning stages of this um, making a difference for human being. And anything that all the governments all over the world are afraid of is probably something you want to look into. <laughs> uh, who else has some final comments? Anybody? If I can, if I wasn't too, too imposing today, uh, cryptocurrencies that are completely detached from governments and local banks and national banks are probably problematic to see 
one of my theories uh, up high in the sky, a, uh, a government for internet, uh, so completely separated from countries that is overarching the whole planet. But, uh, another well, observation, if I can, uh, however, the, the, the sector doesn't help it itself using terms like mining that bring back memories of the far west. And that is something that uh, it, it's scaring people uh, instead of point. taking them in. Uh, last point, uh, I've read again today that there are exchanges that are closing down. And if uh, you have about 30 days to take out your currency, your, your uh, cryptocurrency, uh, and it's a very short time frame, if you don't do that, they will uh, give the, the, the remaining currency deposits to the, the, the state of Georgia, one of those um, exchanges. Uh, so you, you have to be on the game, absolutely on it 24-7 if you are investing, if you are working with cryptocurrency. That's uh, my recommendation. Good point. It's unlike a bank, uh, you need to watch this stuff and be aware of it. By the way, I have a bank account that had... Uh, dollars in it in like 1970 and I tried to contact the bank uh, and I talked to several people on the phone but the bank had been bought and then the other bank had been bought and so on and there was nothing they could do for me although you know that that was worth about no, so it wasn't a fortune it was maybe $250 today uh, but even with no even with no interest I mean just the currency value I but the point is I never I was able to unlock it a bunch. I'm sorry, Corrado. Yeah, I think it has. It, it's a term that the the banking industry uses. It, it's being grandfathered, so it's been taken away. And is it me? Could be. I think it's you, Randy. I can hear Corrado fine. Ah, it is me. Um, before we go away, I just want to say that there is still a serious problem with Bitcoin, which is very much related to to the way the blockchain actually works. Uh, and that was actually pointed out by uh, my partner Paul, which you guys had it here, him here a few times. And um, the problem with that is that with every new transaction, with every new wallet, the number of um, transactions increases, and at some point it's going to be exponential. So the computing power of actually doing a transaction it's increasing, and that's going to be a real problem. Agreed, Diana. And and you know, we could we could talk about, uh, in my view, everything that's out there right now is a prototype. So there's plenty of space for innovation. Um, one of the exciting things I think about the VUC community is that this community has a lot of experience in innovation and this area. And I think if the attention starts to get focused on the cryptocurrency and blockchain space, the UC community. I think it's a it's a realm that's ripe for innovation by this community. So that's that's what I'll close on today. So frankly, the reason why I actually care about this, which is very odd, but it's since I'm so money oriented, is because think about um, all the clearing houses, which are basically businesses that are exchanging money between telephony providers all around the world. So for example, you have AT&T changing just a few minutes with uh, Vodafone uh, in Kenya. Um, then um, they, they actually use an intermediary to, to exchange money, which is actually the, the clearinghouse business. And think about how much more easier that will be with Bitcoins. Absolutely. Okay. So I, I hope this was helpful, Randy. Yeah, uh, and I lost audio, so I missed out on the last part. But the point is, anyway, that uh, I want to thank you, Jay. And let's remind people of the URL, which is? Sure. It's desertblockchain.com. And that's just a community building, you know, labor of love for me to build community. And, you know, much like the VUC is for you, Randy, it's like it's not a moneymaker or anything else. Um, I'm not I'm not on here today to, to make money or sell a product or whatever um, or you know, push any particular cryptocurrency. I'm here because I'm, I'm really, really excited about this. And I think we're right on the cusp of some some major. Um, innovation that could benefit everybody. So. Well, it's going to be interesting. It's an interesting space to watch. Uh, I'd like to recommend a podcast I've been listening to, by the way, called Steal This Show. If you're not a fil familiar with it, Jamie King, we had him on a while back, and he talks a lot about, he talks to people who are the movers and shakers, as they say, in this industry, 
and these projects. And it's a very, very interesting podcast. He's doing a lot of interesting things, including this LBRY library uh, that we had on. And uh, Jamie's, I, I keep begging him to come back on because he knows a lot about all of these things. Anyway, we need to run because I don't know what I missed, but we're not recording anymore. <laughs> so you have to watch the YouTube to get the full thing. Diana, thank you for joining us. She was our special secret guest. And, of course, Jay, Corrado, Andy, Michael, and Ruel, who we haven't seen in months. Ruel, thank you. All right, going to cut it off. We will be now on the Mature Audiences Only segment. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.